Well, it's a real honor to be here this evening, and I pray that the time that we spend together in the study of God's Word will be a blessing to all of us. Materialism is one of the greatest challenges facing the church today. One of the greatest challenges facing your life and facing my life. Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, Things are in the saddle and are riding mankind. I think there's a very real sense in which our possessions possess us. And instead of asking the question, What do I possess? perhaps we need to ask the question, What possesses me? The Master said in Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, Take heed and beware of covetousness. The original word there refers to the greedy desire to have more. Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. This evening, to help us on our journey, I'm going to pose a number of questions for our consideration. I want to begin with two. The first question is, what is materialism? I want to suggest at the very outset that the desire to work hard and to better one's station in life is not in itself materialism. There are two distinguishing characteristics of the sin of materialism that contrast it with an honorable work ethic. One is selfishness. Selfishness is the primary motive of the materialistic person. They want to satisfy self. The other characteristic is excessiveness. A materialistic person pursues material things at the expense of spiritual things and thus upsets the equilibrium that God desires that we have. What is materialism? Materialism, simply put, is the love of things. It is serving the God of greed. Materialism is devotion to material wealth and possessions at the expense of spiritual values. Materialism is the view that wealth and comfort are the only or the highest goals and values of life. Materialism is a mindset that causes us to place our relationship with God behind that of getting Wealth and possessions. The New Oxford Dictionary defines materialism as the tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort as more important than spiritual values. Webster defines it as a doctrine that the only or the highest values and objective in life is material well-being and the furtherance of material progress. And so the bottom line is that materialism is the preoccupation 
with the material rather than the spiritual. It is being more concerned about material things than it is about being concerned about spiritual things. That's materialism. And now the second question, a personal question. Am I materialistic? Well, in your heart of heart, ask yourself these questions. Do I believe that money and stuff protects me? Does money and stuff define me? Does money and stuff enliven me? Do I live to accumulate money and stuff? The things that I have, the things that I desire, do I truly need those things? These are signs of materialism in our lives. And we don't want to fall into that trap. Am I materialistic? You remember the occasion when the Lord revealed to his disciples that one of them would betray him. They each responded with the question, Lord, is it I? Matthew 26 and 22. Materialism. Lord, is it I? I show signs of materialism when I spend more time pursuing physical things than I do pursuing spiritual things. I show more sign I show signs of materialism when I spend more time in stores than I do in God's word and God's work. I show signs of materialism when I spend my time getting more instead of worshiping and studying and serving the Lord. I show signs of materialism when I choose overtime so I can get more stuff instead of being at the worship of the Lord. I show signs of materialism when I get uncomfortable when a big preacher comes down from Sparta and preaches on the subject. Paul Wilmoth wrote this in a bulletin article back in April. I am guilty of materialism if I am more concerned with money and things than I am with pleasing God. If I am so controlled and influenced with making a living that I forget about making a life. If I equate happiness with things if I permit things to control my life. Is materialism one of the greatest challenges facing the church today? Absolutely. Good people, we live in the most materialistic society in the history of the world. We are a rich people in America, but we are not a contented people. You remember what Patrick Henry said? Patrick Henry rose from a pew in a church in Richmond, Virginia, and cried, 
Give me liberty or give me death. Americans today have a little different cry. Americans today are just crying, give me. Most Americans want the same thing. More. More money, more things, more leisure, more everything except personal responsibility. And for a number of years now, we have been witnessing an amazing phenomenon in our country. More and more people in our society are clamoring for, demanding more for absolutely nothing. We are witnessing day by day the secularization of America. The secular is supplanting the spiritual. The material is supplanting the moral. Comfort is supplanting commitment. Riches are supplanting righteousness. Mammon is supplanting God. Right now in America, the average household owes $15,608 in credit card debt. We need to remember that the borrower is servant to the lender, Proverbs 22, verse 7. The irony is that people are spending money to get things that they don't need to impress people that they don't even like. Materialism. And it's one of Satan's most successful lures in America tonight. He has perhaps hooked more people with the lure of materialism than any other lure in his old tackle box. How many people in this beautiful city, in this beautiful county, in this beautiful state, in this beautiful nation, how many people did not even think about the Lord on his day? How many? They were concerned only with the material. You look around you, you can see it. The evidences are everywhere. And once we buy into that, we will sacrifice our faith, our family, and our future in the pursuit of more, just like the people out there around us. And so a great challenge to the church Absolutely. The challenge not to be like our culture. Take your Bible, open it to Romans chapter 12, look at verse 2, and it says, Paul said, do not be conformed to this world. Phillips, not a translation I would recommend for a study Bible, but Phillips translates this verse, don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. 
John exhorted, do not love the world, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Paul exhorted, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 18. James reminds us that friendship with the world is enmity with God, James chapter 4 and verse 4. These passages keep talking about the world, the world, the world. Folks, the world we are talking about is a materialistic world. And we do well to realize that. Here's the next question I want to pose before we get to the really big one. Why is materialism wrong? Why is it wrong? I'm glad to answer that question. I want to give you a number of answers. I notice some of you are taking notes. I would suggest you jot these down so you can think about them later. Why is materialism wrong? Number one, materialism is wrong because it causes us to trust in things rather than in God. Turn in your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and look at verse 17. I love this passage because it is so balanced. I can remember as a boy growing up, and sometimes you'd hear preachers preaching, and you'd almost get the idea that you're sinning if you have money. No, we're not saying that. And this passage really balances. Listen to this. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. If God blesses you with prosperity, you ought to enjoy that blessing of God. But balance that with the fact, notice that he says in verse 17, that we are not to trust in uncertain riches. Materialism is wrong, number one, because it causes us to trust in uncertain riches rather than trusting in God. Number two. Materialism is wrong because it causes us to serve riches instead of serving God. In the passage that our good brother read a few moments ago in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, in verse 24, the master said, No one, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other, you cannot serve God and mammon. I'm sure you know that the word mammonos is an Aramaic word for riches. Materialism is wrong because it causes us to serve riches instead of serving God. Number three, materialism is wrong because it causes us to miss the real purpose and meaning of life. You know about Solomon's quest in Ecclesiastes, and you know how he ends it in that beautiful statement, that conclusion. Ecclesiastes 12 and 13, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. I like how the new King James renders that. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is man's all. Turn with me over to Colossians chapter 3. As we think about our real purpose and we think about the real meaning of life, Paul nails it. 
Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. If then you were risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Materialism is wrong, number three, because it causes us to miss the real purpose and meaning of life. Number four, materialism is wrong because it causes us to waste our lives. Everything that we see in the material world has death and decay stamped on it. Money, cars, houses, savings account, all of those things are temporary. Let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 6. You may want to put the ribbon of your Bible there. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7, Paul said, For we brought nothing into the world, and it's certain we carry nothing out. Folks, if we're not going to carry stuff with us, then to live for stuff is a waste of our lives, isn't it? Number five. Materialism is wrong because it causes us to be discontent. While you're in 1 Timothy chapter 6, notice what he says beginning in verse 6. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, it's certain we carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Now watch the contrast. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and to many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kind of evil, which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. He then returns to the challenge of what we are to pursue in verse 11. Materialism is wrong because it causes us to be discontent. Number six, materialism is wrong because it causes pride. In that balance statement in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, command those who are rich in the present age not to be haughty. Now, the pride I want us to focus on, I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Would you do that, please? Here's the pride that I think is the real danger of materialism for us. Moses is writing, this is his speeches to the children of Israel before they enter the promised land. He's not going to, they are. He is preparing them for the promised land. In Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 7, the Lord your God will bring you into a good land. And he talks about how in that land they're going to have an abundance of water and how in that land they're going to have an abundance of food and how in that land they're going to have an abundance of minerals. And he tells them in verse 10, what your response ought to be is 
When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. What's the next word? Verse 11. Beware. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judges, his statutes, statutes which I command you today. And he begins to explain. Verse 12, when you've eaten and you're full and you build beautiful homes and you dwell in them and you have your herds and you have your flocks and you have your silver and your gold and all that you have is multiplied. Verse 14, then your heart is filled, lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God. And he talks to them about the God who had brought them out of Egypt. The God who had led them through the wilderness. The God who had provided water for them from the rock. The God who had fed them with manna. In verse 17, you're going to say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gained me this well. You remember that it's the Lord your God that's done that. Don't forget God. Don't turn to other gods and worship them. Verse 19, because if you do, he'll destroy you just like he destroyed the nation. What's he talking about? The pride of materialism. It'll destroy us. Number seven, may I suggest to you that materialism is wrong because it causes anxiety. I'll just read one simple statement. It comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 12. You can think about what the wise man said. Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 12. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much. But the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. The anxiety of riches. Let me give you two more. Number eight. Let me tell you why materialism is wrong. It's wrong because it will cause us to envy and to be jealous of others. When we become materialistic in our thinking, then we wish we had what they had. And this is worse. We wish they didn't have what they had. The materialistic are full of envy, Romans 1 and verse 29. And then number 9. Materialism is wrong because it causes us to serve Satan. It attaches us to his realm. He is the God of this world, John 12, verse 31. He is the God of this age, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. We don't want to serve him, but covetousness is idolatry. Colossians 3, verse 5. Think with me just for a moment about the madness that there is to fall into the trap of materialism. Think about the things that things cannot do for you. One, things cannot make us happy. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 11 Solomon wrote that I looked on all the works of my hands, that my, all the works my hands had done. 
and on the labor in which I had toiled. Indeed, all was vanity and grasping for the air, and there was no profit under the sun. You turn over a few chapters to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. He said, he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, and he who loves abundance with increase, this also is vanity. When good increases, they increase who eat them, and what profit have the owner except to see them with their eyes? 1 Timothy 6, 9, and 10, we read earlier about the consequence of being a lover of money and the tragedy it brings to our spiritual lives. Materialism, not, or things are not going to bring you happiness. Number two, material things are uncertain. What did Paul say in 1 Timothy 6, 17? Don't put your trust in uncertain riches. Folks, they can disappear more quickly than they appeared. We can lose them through mismanagement. We can lose them through theft. We can lose them through deflation. We can lose them through deterioration. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, the moth can eat them. The rust can destroy them. Number three, the madness of materialism is seen in the fact that things are going to perish. Uh, preacher, you just talked about it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about a different perspective here. Turn in your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 3. And look beginning in verse 10. You'll see what I mean by perish now. 2 Peter 3 and verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conduct and godliness? You can read the rest of the question. Those things are going to perish. They're going to be burned up. They're going to dissolve. The madness of living for things. And back to the book of Ecclesiastes, we're going to leave material things behind us when we die. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, it's an interesting statement in verses 17 through 21. Solomon said, I'm really distressed by all this work that I've done. Because I'm going to die. And it may end up going, the benefits of it may go to some fellow that didn't have any sense at all. Now that's the FLT, that's Fuqua's literal translation, Okay. And he doesn't say that once, he says it again. In verse 19, who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. And he's going to be over all of my labor. And my heart turned to despair. He said, here I am, I'm a man, I, I have wisdom and I have knowledge and I have skill. But I leave my inheritance to someone who didn't labor for it and he may not have any sense. A fellow walked up to the casket of a rich man and said, how much did he leave? And the other fellow said, all of it. And that's right, isn't it? Years ago, a king in a far country commissioned a man to go out and search in his kingdom and come up with a piece of wisdom that he could carve on stone. And the man came back with these words, This too shall pass. Ultimately, 
Living for material things will keep us out of heaven. That's the madness of it. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. Remember the statement where Paul said, These shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. And he begins to give the list. And you look in verse 10 and he said, Covetous. Greedy. Living for more. Well, we come to the big question tonight. This is the one we're most interested in. That is, how do we overcome materialism? First of all, buckle your seatbelt. We have to acknowledge that it's a problem in our own lives. If these things have hit closer to home tonight than you would like to admit then maybe you're more materialistic than you'd like to admit. I am. But if we're going to overcome materialism, then we must first acknowledge it existed. Because if we don't acknowledge its existence, if we deny that we, that we struggle with materialism, then we're not likely to do anything about it. So we have to recognize that it exists, we have to determine to rid our lives of it, and we have to ask God to help us. I believe the very best place to start in overcoming materialism is to look at the Master's teaching. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Right in the middle, in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked about this subject. By the way, do you realize that he talked about this subject more than any other subject? More than any other subject he addressed, he talked about this subject, about things and our relationship to them, because that impacts our relationship to God. We won't take time to read it, but I want to outline it for you, and you can study it later. Notice in verses 19 and following that he taught that we're to lay up treasure in heaven and not treasure on earth. Beginning in verse 24, he said that we're to serve God and we're not to serve mammon or riches. In verses 25 through 32, he taught that we must, must not be overly concerned about material things. That's the section about worry. And then in verses 33 and 34, he taught that we must put spiritual things first and foremost in our lives and we do it one day at a time. That's the master's teaching. Now turn over to Luke chapter 12. Let's look at what he taught there. A man approached the master and asked him to arbitrate a squabble over the family inheritance. That's in verse 13. The man was obviously obsessed with material things. And so the master made this statement, verse 15, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. He followed that warning with the parable of the rich fool. I'm sure you're familiar with it. This rich man, successful by the measuring of the world standard, was a fool in God's eyes. Why so? First of all, he was selfish. He used 12 personal pronouns in three verses. 
He was thinking only of himself. He was also foolish because he thought that the possession of material things would bring satisfaction to life. And he was ultimately foolish because he was living for something he couldn't keep or he couldn't take with him. That's not a bargain. My, li- my wife loves bargains. Man, she'll come home and she's found all these bargains. I'm glad. But let's suppose that you go into any store, anything you're particularly interested in, maybe it's a new car or whatever, and you go in there and you get an outrageously good price. You're talking about a bargain. It's a bargain. This guy says, I'm going to sell you this $60,000 car for $100. You say, man, that's a bargain. He says, but wait a minute. You can't take it with you. Now, is it a bargain? No. That's not a bargain. Now, listen to what he says. Verse 20. God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? Here comes the punchline. So is he who lays up treasure for himself, but is not rich toward God. How do I overcome materialism in my life? How do I help others overcome materialism in their life? Let me give you three words, okay? All three begin with the letter C. The first word is confession. We need to realize how materialistic we are and confess it to God. And we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1 verse 9. Number two is contentment. Contentment is a learned attitude, according to Philippians 4, verse 11, but it's also a command of God in Hebrews 13, verse 5. When he says, be content with such things as you have, that's not a divine suggestion. That is a commandment. We need to learn to be content with what God has given us. Sometimes we are so busy chasing after so many things that we don't stop to appreciate the things that we have. Confession, contentment. The third word is commitment. We must make the commitment to God that we're going to seek Him and spiritual things First and foremost in our lives. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We're going to have to realign our focus. Folks, pardon my hillbilly grammar, but stuff is just stuff. And sooner or later we're going to have to learn that money does not buy everything. Money will buy you a bed, but it won't buy sleep. Money will buy you books, but it won't buy a brain. Money will buy you a house, but not a home. Money will buy you medicine, but not health. Money will buy you amusement, but not happiness. Money will buy you religion, but not salvation. Money will buy you a good life, but not eternal life. Money will buy you a passport to anywhere but heaven. We must change our focus. 
and realize that our sufficiency is of God. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5. Well, I'm going to wrap it up. Tony, they like that word conclusion, don't they? Conclusion. Materialism is a challenge facing the church, and it, each of us face it. See, this is where culture clashes with Christianity. We're to be in the world, but we're not to be of the world. John 14, 19. And folks, we can overcome the world by our faith. 1 John 5, verse 4. Jesus is the source of abundant life. John 10, verse 10. But he tells us that that good life is not materialistic. That good life is spiritual. There's more a matter of attitude than it is amount. I want to ask you something as we close tonight. If you had a choice between having a billion dollars or a home in heaven, which would you choose? Now, if you have to think about that, Where's your treasure? Where's your heart? For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 20. You remember what Esau did? Esau, Genesis chapter 25, sold his birthright for some stew. You say, foolish Esau. The world is full of people who are selling their eternal birthright for a little more than that. How foolish are they? I was in a place several years ago. I'm not going to tell you which direction it was. It was within 2,000 miles of here. And Pam and I visited in a deacon's home. And I'm going to tell you what, I never saw one like it. That thing was so big that they literally had marker boards at the end of each hallway, each intersection, to point you which direction to go. I never saw a private home that had water fountains in the hallway before. I mean, it was that big. But you know, it didn't take very long to listen to that fellow that I realized something. He built his mansion on the wrong side of eternity. Which side of eternity are you building your mansion on? If you've never become a Christian, if you've never been baptized into Jesus Christ, you're building your mansion on the wrong side of eternity. If you've lost sight... If you've lost focus as a Christian and you're back entangled in the world again, you're building your mansion on the wrong side of eternity. Do what you need to do to put God first and foremost in your life. You can't serve God and man. The last word in the lesson tonight are the words of Jesus. 
For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The lesson is yours. And heaven's invitation is your opportunity to respond. Won't you come?